Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Josh Kirshenbaum. I'm Cooper Gagan. Each week we pick a topic and talk about two movies that fit the topic, one highbrow, one lowbrow, except uh, sometimes we don't do that. Nope. It's a nobrow, it's baby. It's nobrow. Casual chat. Not movie focused, but we'll talk about movies, but uh, not too specifically. No specific themes, just a bunch of topics. Yeah. Just like, no, just people talking. It's just people talking. <laughs> yeah. It's just people. Just it's, like, it's like the the pitch for all like those bad podcasters. Like, it's just like your best friends hanging out. Yeah. It's just like you're right there. But we just do it because <laughs> once again, we're like apologizing <laughs> for why we, ha- why we do these episodes. <laughs> we do it because we can't watch that many movies. Yeah. All right. Uh, so get diving right into it. Uh, college. College movies and TV. So. There, uh, I remember when I was in college specifically, I always bemoaned how there aren't a lot of movies and TV about college. And now that I'm out of it, I'm like, thank God, because college is actually pretty inherently undramatic. Right. <laughs> like high school. Okay. So high school can be dramatic because it's very structured, a lot of order. There's a lot of, there's like a whole very dense like hierarchy. You're and forcing te- a lot of teenagers together. Yeah. And they have to be there. Yeah. Which is a big thing. And teenagers are insane. Yeah. And they're growing up and growing up is complicated. Yeah. And they're also like, yeah, they're with their parents and there's always an inherent there's family stuff. There's always like, yeah, there's an inherent like kind of drama and a push and pull with the parents. Yeah. Whereas college is as we've talked about, but possibly inherently a non-dramatic. Yes, because it's like it it's like a weird kind of you go off and it's like a weird like training wheels being away from your parents for four years where there's very low stakes. Really you're if you're not even like if you get in trouble, it's usually with like campus police, not real police. Right. Or like what what you're doing is going to class, but you know, if you fail you just aren't in college anymore. It's right. fine. It's you the, just get a job. It's the combination of you know, you're young and not in the real world, so the stakes are low. But also, you're in the real world enough so that there's no like forcing you to be dr- like dramatic. Yeah, you're just sort of taking classes and hanging out. Whereas like high school is like everything is structured. Yeah, and you're like away from your parents, so right. you can easily hide from them whatever you're doing. Right. So like that's another thing that could be dramatic. That's not. Yeah. You're with a bunch of people you kind of know. Yeah. <laughs> And you like at at some level you kind of chose where to be, so you're theoretically somewhere where you kind of belong a bit, hopefully. Right. Uh, so, right. So you were watching uh, Sex Lives of College Girls. It, right. That's a show on HBO Max. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, produced by Mindy Kaling and somebody else. God damn it! Who was it? Uh, the creators are so the Sex Lives of College Girls. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, the creators are Mindy Kaling and Justin Noble. Okay. And uh, it's it's fun. It, it is like. It is very low stakes because they're in college. But and it's also like also the other thing that is weird is like all college shows like there's like three there's kind of like three plot lines that are always that that kind of seem to be common with them. It's like how you what your relationship is with like the frats. It's like what your relationship is with like your high school girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. A lot of dating stuff. Mm -hmm. And then uh yeah, and maybe like maybe if you're having trouble with your classes and you expect it, like yeah, there's like kind of like a set list of like five or six things that are you're kind of the the drama points in college. Yeah, and none of them are like lead to drama in the same way like most plot lines like would like like you're having trouble with classes or whatever like yeah you just, I don't know like what it's not visually dynamic often. Oh no, well that's the thing like in high school high, high school and college movies and shows have this in common where like. You never show them in class because there's nothing interesting about going to class. At least in high school, your grades matter because 
they get you into college. Mm-hmm. Like it is like a grade of you as a person. Yeah. And you will be rewarded or punished for it. Yeah. Your grades in college really like don't matter. I guess in some and, professions they do. Like yeah. if you're going to med school. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If you're going to double college. If you're going, yeah, if you're going to more <laughs> school. School only matters when you're doing more school after it. Right. Um, although I think some like cons- I think some like high like consulting or finance jobs, they will look at your GPA and stuff. Yeah. But at least definitely for us, I have never I don't even know how to access a transcript of college for me. I've never had to do it. I don't even, I never even had to really prove that I went to college. Right. So like the only time college is like dramatic in any way is if like, like they're doing research on like, like the, the, the horror movie Prince of Darkness where they find like the devil is like in a jar in a basement. They get a bunch of like graduate students. <laughs> Devil's in a jar in a basement. All right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's crazy. But like they get a bunch of like grad students and like college students to like do like the research. Mm-hmm. And like that's the only time with like your your academic pursuit in college might be interesting is when it's actually literally the devil. Yeah. That's Other than that, point. it's like, you know, you're learning science or encoding, whatever. Like it's important to you. Yeah. College. I, I, I'm pro college. Yeah, I, I I'm like medium on college. <laughs> like if it's good for you, fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I okay. So then I I think like the usually the common theme that almost every college show has is like about the idea of college as a time of like discovering finding who you are. Yeah, it's like rebranding yourself, finding out not only who you are but what you want to present yourself to the world because it's your first opportunity to like change that. Right. And which is, you know, most of them are kind of about that. Sex Lives of College Girls is also very much about that. It yeah. also gets into a lot of kind of, they're kind of like sexual identity in like a very good way, in a very like thoughtful, interesting way. Oh yeah, right there in the title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it is like, I think that show does a really good job, but it is a, it's a tough writing prompt to make yes. an interesting college show. Uh, and I think, I'm trying, I'm trying to think like what other successful ones are, like, I you mean, were you were saying your what was your what was your example like the best one for oh, you? Oh, it's Social Network. But okay. that is a show that is a the whole point of Social Network the movie is that it explicitly rejects everything about college. Okay. The movie is about a guy who thinks that all the higher social hierarchies of college are dumb and doesn't want to be a part of him or like is is not engaged with them so he creates his own new social hierarchies. Yeah. Like he drops out of class, doesn't go to parties. Specifically like the the big juxtaposition sequence of the movie is when he's coding and creating the first Facebook and his friends getting and, tapped right but no it's oh. like when everyone is it's like the opening scene of the movie where he, when he makes face smash yeah yeah and like and it's all the people at the final clubs like partying and right stuff. yeah it's yeah. like very much trying to say that what's interesting about this college is not being a part of it <laughs> yeah uh, and then I would say for me I guess my top college movie is Animal House which is kind of similar in that they completely do not exist in the college structure because they're just partying right they're on double secret probation all the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> right it, it just uh, college is, is valuable but because it is a safe space for like young adults to sort of discover who they're going to be and to learn and to yeah. make mistakes it's makes it because where they work hard to not have too many like crazy ramifications of what you do it makes it not very dramatically compelling often yeah and also at least at my where i went to school most people didn't do that much other than go to class and just like get hammered right yeah which are both are (laughs) inherently uninteresting things like i also think like seeing people party is usually not interesting Pretty boring yeah like animal house is like a weird exception because it's but it's also like so goofy yeah there's other stuff going on they also like do a lot they're like doing like pranks and stuff i that's also just like a very well-written movie despite some problematic elements yeah like obviously there's some bad stuff in that movie right but um 
I think it is very hard to write movies about partying that are interesting because partying is also inherently undramatic. Right, because you're basically... The whole point of a party is that you are not taking things seriously. You're just letting a load off. Yeah, (laughs) good parties don't have drama. They're just fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. So uh, one thing I was thinking of was sitting here... I mean, there's Blue Mountain State, the show, which I never watched, which I I know people... People really are fond of that show. So that is a show that I watched in college yeah. and I loved it at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I, my roommate, you're a couple years ago, my roommate and I were like, Oh my God, remember blue mountain state? Like that show was great. And so we like found it on streaming. We watched an episode like, okay, so that wasn't very good. Maybe, but we didn't like play like the greatest hits episode. Like let's, we got to get like the best episode. Remember and watch that. We watched that. Like, okay. So that wasn't that great either. <laughs> I think maybe the show wasn't good and we were just 20 when we watched it. That actually, we'll, we'll get into some of that a little bit later as, as in one of our other topics. Yeah. Too. Um, the other show I was thinking of as a, it's not really like a college show at all, but Gilmore girls has a whole, the whole couple seasons when Rory's in Yale. Right. And like every day there's like a dramaticness of college. And right. I think what what's smart about that show is that it it doesn't really try to make like college interesting. Like it's just like, you know, Gilmore Girls is a soap opera. Yeah. And it's just, you know, there's a lot of weird like institutions and like goofiness in Yale. So the, like Rory navigating that is a good opportunity to create to write our normal drama with like a Yale hat on it. Yeah. <laughs> like at the very least, it is a unique subculture. And I think the show is smart to like not try to warp around college, but to just be the show. Yeah. But they all wear like jackets. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, I'm trying. Oh, well, the other like maybe one of the best. It's funny because one of the best college TV shows is Community. But it's, it's community not college. They're in community college and they're all adults. They're not. It's like very much not a quote college show. They're yeah. just technically at college. Yeah. Or at community college. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's all like they really try to focus on the people who are as least engaged with the school as possible. Yeah, like and it, and there are very real world stakes for them because they're all adults and they have jobs. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, <laughs> but there's no like do- there's very little like dorm life stuff going on in community. There's like a little bit when they make like well, they the, don't live there. Uh, Abed and and uh, um, and Troy do in the first season. Oh, they? they're in a dorm. Uh, I thought they were just in an apartment. Uh, I think they move out into an apartment. I think season one they're in a dorm. I don't remember. Because there's the whole, like, I know there's all the stuff where, like, they are, like, going to people's dorms. Like, they, they, they set up pillow forts and stuff in people's dorms and stuff. And I remember... Are you sure those were in dorms, though, or just the hallways? I'm pretty sure that there are dorms. Okay. And they just, I think it's a plot line that they move out. Um, That, like, in season two, like, that's why, like, Donald Glover moves in with Pierce. I, I am... All those seasons blur together to me, too. Because yeah. I just sort of throw on episodes. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There's not really a show that cares about what college is like no. at all and by by like very quickly in the right. show very on purpose yeah. right greendale becomes like a circle of hell pretty quickly <laughs> it's like not really even not realistic to what normal community college yeah is no like. it's just like a purgatory that they're stuck in right like run by insane people right <laughs> which i guess anyway um so yeah i guess it's just oh, there's greek you watch greek i never watched it right uh, i know oh i thought you did for some nope. reason okay i heard it's fun yeah Maybe cool. It, yeah. <laughs> it's just as inherently sort of I don't know, it's just interesting that like it's one of the major phases of like American life. Not for everyone, obviously, but secondary good education mm-hmm. is a lot of people have gone to college and it's just not something that like lends itself, you know, there's like a million high school movies. Yeah. We all get it. Well, I think it is yeah, I think it's because it, it is like a lot of people go to college, but not everybody goes to college. So it's not like it's not very relatable. There's like a huge chunk of people that's not very relatable for but yeah. everyone almost everyone has gone to high school exactly 
And yeah, yeah. not <laughs> sorry. But th- I, I like that this topic is things that are not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, I, I do think it's interesting that, that there's not a lot of <laughs> it's drama. interesting how not uh, interesting, interesting it is. <laughs> uh, I think we move on to the next topic. Yeah. Oh, I, undeclared. Uh, undeclared is a very good yeah. show. That's like um, Freaks and Geeks, but college is yes. the idea. Okay. Uh, but it is like specifically a running joke about how bad of a college it is, yeah. which is fun. I think, yeah, I think also like the weird, there's like a weird kind of status thing going on with mm-hmm. colleges where it's like, if it's like a super fancy school, it's like not as relatable. Mm-hmm. So like the better college shows are about like fictional schools that are like very low status. Yeah. It's so like community, like Greendale mm-hmm. and then the college from undeclared is yeah. kind of the same thing. Oh, one that's interesting. Uh, the chair, it's a series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. With, uh, Sandra. Oh, she's like the chair of the English department. Um, she is a chair. Yeah. A swiveling rolling chair. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so <laughs> the the reason that show is interesting is because it is all from the perspective of the teachers, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, and that actually just makes it sort of like a like a like a workplace drama with like a really weird niche community because it's like that's it always yeah. good, right? And like I, that's and there's like it's very like cancel culture in that like you know the, the students are very woke and that's like very frustrating for the teachers and like oh, okay that's like often very blunt but often very fun and interesting. Yeah. So like. Actually, by making college from the perspective of the people who actually live and work at college, yeah, not from the people who are just there for a few years to fuck around, that's how you make it interesting. Because yeah, it has stakes because they're there. Also, that I mean, guess that's the other thing that is inherently un, that is like less like dramatic about college is that you're only there for four years and then you just fuck off. Right, you leave, you move yeah. on, yeah, and you well, never like, go back. Really, but I guess that's true of high school. Well, high school, at but least people stay in their town. Yeah, and like your the family element makes it compelling that's true yeah you're not gonna fuck like you're not gonna fuck off and not see your family again some people do. some people do but you know it's that's not an expectation right yeah that that would be dramatically interesting yeah. <laughs> uh i just want to shout out the chair good show yeah uh, i think it's coming back i don't know hard to say yeah uh so the next topic you mentioned you know blue mountain state was a show you loved at the time and haven't really been able to go back to yeah the theme of our next topic is when in your life do you watch something slash rewatching something when you're closer or farther from the character? Yeah. So watching certain, there are certain, uh, pieces of media that mm-hmm. change very, have, you have a very different reading on it based on where, what point in your life you're at. Mm-hmm. And especially when they're kind of like, like coming of age things, coming of age stories, and also stories about people who are kind of like stuck mm-hmm. or like dissatisfied with certain phases in their life. Yeah. So we were talking about, like New Girl is one because it's like New Girl, Dead Poet Society is kind of that we just talked about is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Insecure is that. Girls is that. They're all about people who are like stuck at a very specific phase in their life and trying to navigate it. Right, trying to figure out what they're what they're doing. You know, being a twenty year old and not really knowing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you're right. Like watching them when you're in your twenties is way different than you know we are in our thirties. Yeah. Like. Girls specifically was a show that I had came out when I was in when did it first come out because I think we were I was in college. I want to say 2009 2010. I'll go. I'll get that. Up. Sounds right yep. because I I'm trying to remember where I, where I physically was when I tried to watch it. Yeah, it's like I think it might uh, have 2012. Been 20, 20, oh, 2012. Okay, so yeah. that would have been my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, girls is about a bunch of Upper East Side snobby rich girls <laughs> who fucking suck. Yeah, and I was going to college on the East Coast with a lot of Upper East Side girls who were snobby and fucking <laughs> like. There's just like a lot of I I knew a lot of like people who were like those characters, mm-hmm. and I found it hard to watch because I was like I too real. I run I like interact with enough Upper East Side people that I don't need to watch a TV show about it. Yeah. But you're thinking now you haven't gone back, but now you might be it'd be very different. It might be more nostalgic. 
or might be more able to just engage with the characters than to just be so like triggered. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not you're not in the you're not in the shit anymore. Yeah, you're not in the suck. <laughs> yeah, and then conversely, insecure is about people in their late twenties, early thirties in L.A. who are kind of like stuck in yeah. a rut there. Like, there's one character who is like unemployed, kind of has aspirations for like a kind of like a, has aspirations for a job, but you can't really figure out how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And like that's like closer to where I'm at, where we're at now. So that's like now that's too real. Now that's kind of tough for me. But I liked Insecure a lot. Insecure's great. And then New Girls also. New Girls about the same thing. They're in their early 30s and mm-hmm. they're all stuck. And especially because like New Girl is a lot about being in your early 30s and still having roommates, mm-hmm. which was like two years, like a year and a half ago. That was all exactly like we were we were <laughs> New that. Girl. Yeah. yeah. So Girls is an interesting one because I I started watching when it came out. I, by the way, top three show for me, one of my all time favorite shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like we'll def- I defend that show to the death. Um, is is that like I started watching it in college? I was I was like 21. Yeah. Um, and they were like 26 or something mm-hmm. when that show when that show starts. They're like in their mid 30s or mid 20s when it starts. Yeah. So that was always they were always like a half generation past me. So it was always kind of, and I never lived in New York City. Yeah. Um, and I never like knew those people personally. Mm-hmm. So that was always it was always a bit removed from me. It was always like. You know, I never had the same in my 20s look, not knowing what I'm doing thing that they had. So it was always like a little bit. It was never too real for me. I never had like a connection of like, oh, that's what it's like. It yeah. just is a good show to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you're right, Insecure is a little closer to home with, with Lawrence, who is just yeah. like struggling for his dream or whatever. Yeah, Lawrence is specifically a character I was thinking of. Like he's he's pretty close to what it's like. to be. It's funny because he's in tech. Yeah, and he was working on an app, but right. it's the same feel as like being a writer. Yeah, I I feel like that must have been like draft one. He was a writer because it's in L.A., but also which is much more writer town than tech town. But also, yeah. most people who work in tech work on their apps on their own time, and they have like lucrative day jobs. Yeah, that were like what? Yeah, <laughs> Lawrence, what are you doing? Yes, <laughs> you should be rich. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's fun. Insecure is good. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so example I was thinking of. Which is sort of like the opposite for me. Mm-hmm. But How I Met Your Mother right. was a show I never got super into when it was live. I kind of came into it halfway th- as it was towards the end of its run then went back and watched some episodes on like Hulu and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always just thought it was like, yeah, it's a fun show about some people in their 20s. You so know, they're, they're in their early 20s, right? Yeah, I think at the beginning. And they obviously the show. Yeah, I mean, it goes right on for like seven years. So. Yeah. Um, but what I always found interesting is that it never felt like nostalgic to me watching it. It was just, it's a show about people. So then yeah. during the pandemic, we rewatched a lot of it just because, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of time. And then it, it started to get more emotional for me because I, it kind of clicked that the show is about looking back on your 20s. That's true because it does have the whole, the framing element is that the story is about their 20s. Right. It's telling this, telling the story of looking back and looking back with nostalgia, like the opening credits is like all the pictures of them hanging out at like bars and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like when we were watching it, we were kind of hitting our 30s and not really going out anymore as much, which the pandemic was a big <laughs> part of. A pandemic brought a hard end to our 20s. Right. So like it... Watching How I Met Your Mother, like weirdly coming, seeing it not being farther away from the character's age, but being closer to Bob Saget's age, like the narrator's age, right, is what made it click for me as a thing I connected with at that age, right. So it was sort of the inverse, even though like that's not what it was depicted. Yeah, that is wild because I I always kind of I mean it's all it's obvious when you're watching the show because they play around with that framing element a lot. Yeah. But thinking back on the show, sometimes you I sometimes I forget that the whole thing is that it's like a it's like an oral, like it's a told story. And they also play with the fact that it is like an, a uh, unreliable narrator sometimes. Right. Yeah. The, uh, um, like the runner of that, they can't, he doesn't want to tell his kids they were smoking pot. So it's always sandwiches. Yeah. Very fun. Very fun. Yeah. Very fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, 
I, and it's funny because, like, so we, we just recorded our Dead Poet Society episode. And that's another movie that, like, you know, really hits you at a certain age. And then, you know, much much different seeing it from as an, as an older person. Yeah, I think we were kind of talking about, especially like you and I were both English majors. So yeah. interacting with English literature, you do it in a very different way in high school than you do in college. Exactly. And then, then you do after college for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> you read, stop reading. I don't read very much anymore. In that you go to college and it destroys your love of reading because you're assigned five books to read a week and you yeah. can't do that. You learn how to lie. Yeah. You learn how to convince people you've read a lot. You learn how to take a test based on reading the first page of every <laughs> chapter in Oscar Wow. And you fucking nailed it. Yeah. But like, you know, like there's a lot of like movies people, when you encounter a movie, it does really matter. And like, obviously I have a lot of... I often shit talk classic movies from the eighties because they I just mm-hmm. don't give a shit about them. But like I don't know, maybe you just like watch the Goonies growing up. That really fucking matters to you. Like yeah. I don't give a shit about the Goonies. I don't stop <laughs> as, telling as me to watch the Goonies. You must say every episode, every fucking episode. Stop <laughs> telling should, me to watch the we Goonies. We should just make it. Who's telling you to watch the Goonies? <laughs> they know who they are. <laughs> we should just make it part of the intro. Like welcome, this is Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Josh Kirschbaum. I've never seen the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's it's just we're just describing nostalgia. It's not. Yeah, groundbreaking. I mean, the other thing I'm thinking about, like uh, Royal Tenenbaums is one mm-hmm. for me because it's specifically about um, children who are prodigies who then grew up and they kind of like didn't pay off on the promise, the promise. that they had as children. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching that in high school as like, I don't know, as like, you know, smart high school kid doing really well, like yeah. you're expected to do good things. Mm-hmm. It's very different than watching it as like a writer who's in their 30s and is like still trying to like sell shit. Right, yeah. It's like very, like you identify with like different, you you realize, you don't like, some of it's like you identify with different char- different characters and other parts of it is like you don't truly, you aren't truly able to empathize with that character in the same way. Yeah. Like you don't, you might not have realized what that character was until you were closer to that character. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's just, you're, yeah, you, I mean, you grow up. Yeah. <laughs> you get a different perspective on things. Yeah. Um, one I, I thought of, um, which is a weird one, but like when I remember, I remember when I was a kid, I saw Into the Wild, mm-hmm. uh, and when I saw it, I was like, "God, this is 2006." So I would have been, you know, like 15 or something. I saw it with my mom. It was radar. Mom had to take me. Yeah, uh, and she was interested in seeing it anyway. But for me, I like I didn't really know the story, but I was like, "Oh yeah, like he just needed to like see nature, and he was so like tired of like suburbia and his expectation. He had this romantic image of the of going out there, and it's so sad it didn't work out. And like my mom had the I think correct <laughs> take. <laughs> Be sure, you know, sure, you know, being a grown up with children was yeah. like this kid fucking sucks yeah <laughs> like he was just like like just demented and sad and like he just abandoned his family on this stupid dream that he wasn't prepared for yeah like it is a much sadder story and that's i think i think at the age i'm at now i'm much closer to my mom's take which is that like there's nothing inherently romantic about living in the woods no but there is something inherently selfish about abandoning everyone who loves and cares for you yeah uh so that I don't yeah. know, maybe just get more cynical or more realistic. <laughs> yeah. There's also the kind of the inverse that of that, which is like Donnie Darko, which is like when you're a kid when you're a high school kid, you think that Donnie Darko is like super meaningful and deep. Yeah. And like and just like, oh God, he gets what it's like. He like this guy's tortured just like me. And then you grow up, and you're like, oh, I wasn't tortured. And you know, this guy actually is. I shouldn't have identified with right. him. Right. Yeah. Like, he's actually like going through some stuff. But this guy's having like daytime waking hallucinations. Right. Not really similar to like me just not liking school. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to go back to Donnie Darko because I remember I watched it kind of recently. Yeah. I think it's better than people. It's weird. I like, I think it's, I'm kind of in the middle where like I don't, I think 
there's like this reactionary hatred of it that I think is a little unfair. Yeah, because of like pretentious nerds who like it. Yeah. yeah, I think it is not as good as we all thought it was when we were in high school, but also not as bad as people say it is now. Right. I think there's more going on than just the angst. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it interesting. Like I think it's like like all Richard Kelly things, it's full of like absolutely bizarre lore and like backstory. Yeah. That probably makes sense to him, yeah, <laughs> but it's it, visually fascinating. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know actually, curious. Drew Barrymore's character is actually kind of in, in, in like an interesting foil to the like the bad teachers we were talking about last yeah. week because she is very much trying to be a sort of uh, key, like a Robin Williams type, yeah, which is like the inspirational teacher, but it's like very. It just feels I don't know. It, it's just like not really engaged, right? Yeah, and it's also like it feels like the show the movie wants you to like be on board with her as being this sort of inspirational teacher but then being older and looking back on it it just feels like she's trying too hard yeah i mean like everyone in that movie they're all just kind of like doing their best yeah it seems like they're all trying to like hold on to some sort of system and then just like i don't know life's weird and complicated yeah. Oh, also, she is like straight up just like abusing her power. Like she is uh, actually yeah. a bad teacher. <laughs> like at one point, like the um, Jenna Malone comes in and it's her first day in school, mm-hmm. and she says like, "Where do I sit?" She says, "Sit next to the boy you think is the cutest." Oh, which yeah. is like kind of like a. It seems like a fun kind of like twee like cool thing mm-hmm. when you're in high school, but then later on you're like, "That's super fucked up," and right. put that kid in like a really bad position yeah, socially like, on her first day. Yeah, that's like really isolating. That could yeah. like, ruin someone's life. <laughs> yeah, like you. That's like really not cool. She should have been fired for that. Yeah, like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, shit. Is there any way to do a Donnie? It, it, Donnie Dark highbrow artsy, right? Uh, yeah, I would say high highbrow. It's funny because it's like. That is a movie that is like kind of riding the line because it is like it thinks it's highbrow, yeah. But you can argue whether it is or not. I mean, it is like an indie drama about. I mean, it's got like sci-fi elements, but not in a way that's like definable. Yeah. Okay. Versus Dark Man. There's a Dark Man. Just dark. 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 Darkness. Darkness. (laughs) The entire (laughs) Donnie Darko versus the German television show Dark, which ran for like five seasons. Yeah. I mean, also it's time traveling. Yeah. I mean, Supernatural High School. Is there like Jennifer's Body? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Maybe it's on the table. It's on the table. It could do it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Remember when everyone lost their goddamn minds over uh, Megan Fox for like you know two years, three two years? years? Yeah. Yeah. I I gotta say I think Jennifer's Body fucking rules. Yeah. Like, good movie. Very good movie. Yeah. I I think at the time there was just prime for the it was the Diablo Cody combined with the Megan Fox backlash hitting at the same time. I know. I think that kind of did do a disservice to that movie because people just remember it as being part of like our general obsession with like Megan Fox at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it actually is a, it's a good movie. Also like she's like, well, pretty well used in it. Like she's like, it's much more Amanda Seyfried's movie. And Mm -hmm. when Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, when Megan Fox is in it, it's to just be like hot and scary. Yeah. Which is the point of the movie. Yeah. And Megan Fox is great at being both hot and scary. Yeah. (laughs) Also, she was a new girl, right? She was, and I liked her a lot in New Girl. Yeah, and that was kind of like a like later. That was kind of like a comeback for her. Yeah, that was, she'd she'd been away for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I well, that was when Zoe was pregnant, right? And that's why they brought her in yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because I think she she was like a minor character. She was like one of like the girlfriend characters for Nick. Yeah, and then they just brought her on full time when Zoe Deschanel was pregnant. Yeah, I was working on the show at around that time, but I don't remember a lot of the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, shout out Jake Hassan, good dude. Yeah, love that show. Um, I mean, that I don't really have a lot to say, but it is just just sort of interesting. Like when you matters when you see something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, I guess it's like there's something about uh, you. Sometimes you just need to be 
emotionally close, more similar to a character to like really understand. Well, it's like understanding subtext and understanding like background and understanding mm-hmm. what's like not necessarily on the page. Yeah. Sometimes it's like it helps that like if you're going through it, you kind of understand all of like the what is what is not depicted on screen, the scenes like what's happening in between scenes that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on. Yeah. To to do a, a different example for sort of what we're talking about, um, there's a great movie called The Low Weekend with uh, Jim Broadband, Lindsay Duncan, and um, Jeff Goldblum, mm-hmm. uh, which I saw. I think 2015 it came out. Uh, really good movie, just about this like older professor and his wife who like go on this trip to Paris. Yeah. And like they're very much like used to be these very young romantic types who like love Godard movies and like thought they were really changing the world and stuff. And then they're they're just like an older professor couple. He's like basically being forced to retirement, whatever. Yeah. And I remember finishing that movie being like, that was really brilliant. I do not. I know I'm not old enough. I've not had the life experience yeah. to truly connect with this. It's so specifically about being like 63. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'm like, I love that movie. And I think it's really good. And I'd love to go back to it. But very much, I'm just like, I just, that's a movie about being 63. Yeah. I am 23. <laughs> yeah. There's things I'm not like, I can see there's stuff going on here that I don't get. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Yeah. I want, I, I, I showed up. I paid my ticket. <laughs> I would love to eventually become 63. <laughs> <laughs> it is on my to do list. Yeah. Um, next topic. Yeah, let's do it. Gear shift movies. Uh, a hot topic for us because what what is it? <laughs> what is? So I think of a gear shift movie as a movie that has like a hard shift after the midpoint. Yeah, U- usually after the midpoint. It could be at any point in the plot, but yeah. it either like changes it changes setting. Usually, you I mean it changes tone most specifically. Tone, tone I think is the big one to me, and it's often related to setting. Yeah, but not always. Off or jo- changing genre is often. Yes. Like the biggest, like to me, the single biggest gearship movie is From Dust Till Dawn. Yes. Uh, because that goes from a pretty, like, stripped down, like, like pretty, emo- like, emotionally intense, realistic, quote marks, uh, hostage drama. Yeah. Into a wildly over the top, sloppy, 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 sloppy <laughs> action movie. Yeah. Like, very goofy kind of movie. And it's funny because my my like touchstone for what a gearshift movie is is always Full Metal Jacket, but yeah. you don't really agree with me that it is one. I disagree somewhat, but I do understand the because yeah, because for me it's the difference between the tone in between boot because it goes from like first half is boot camp, mm-hmm. second half is Vietnam. Yeah, and boot camp is like there's a lot of funny bits. It's like it's a lot the tone is a lot lighter, even though it's like. You know, it's serious. A guy does kill himself at the end of it, but that him killing himself is the gear shift. Like that is what cha- I think that is like what changes it to the darker tone. Mm-hmm. But like there, yeah, there is like drama happening. But it's like I don't know, a lot of the what people remember from that movie is like the funny bits. But like this is my rifle, this is my gun, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Th- th- I think that's what, what what's so interesting about that movie, especially, is that the first like twenty minutes looms over its reputation. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Which especially because. It's ve- it is very funny. Like Arlie Ermey is very funny, but what's mm-hmm. interesting is it, he's funny in universe. Like the movie yes. is not doing like situational comedy. No, <laughs> like he in universe is saying things that are funny. Yeah, and it's funny because <laughs> nobody is allowed to laugh at him. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So what I find interesting about Full Metal Jacket, like structurally, I'm listening to a, um, the Blank Check podcast about it right now too. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it's it's it does have the sudden shift to Vietnam, but it actually does have three parts to it. There's the the first half there the first, the section they're in boot camp which is the longest section by time yeah then they're reporting there's the reporting section when Joker's a reporter okay and then the Tet Offensive happens right and then there's the there's just one action scene the site the sniper sequence right yeah um and to me we the sharpest turn tonally is sort of when it goes into the sniper stuff because mm-hmm. the middle section with the reporting 
is also pretty funny. It's not as funny because Arlie Ermey's not in it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's similar-ish in tone to the first half because it is also like has a very wry, dark sense of humor towards very serious like subject matter. True. And you know, in the first half does have this slow descent into, you know, the 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 Gomer pile losing his mind. Yeah. You know, there's him eating the 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 donut and everyone like laughing like, having to do push-ups and like everyone hitting him with soap. Like yeah. Well stuff. the soap thing is like a big turn because that's kind of like that's like the one or two scenes before he kills himself, right? Yeah. 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 So anyway, I agree that I I think it is totally defensible that mm. it's like a pretty sharp turn. Yeah. But I do think that the movie is very has this continuity of tone to it. For sure. That I that I often respond. I think people often forget that it's three sections. <laughs> it's yeah. one big stuff, two little sections. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh but great fucking movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Wonderful movie. Yeah. That that does uh, Stanley Kubrick. Oh yeah, he's he's going places. He's got well, not right now, but we <laughs> he went places. Straight to hell. <laughs> Yeah, take that, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, respected titan of cinema. <laughs> yeah, um, you you have we have a list. You had Psycho on there. I don't know if that's a gear shift. It does have like a big, it's a big turn. Well, okay, yeah, it changes main character. Spoilers for Psycho. Fuck yeah, you. Fuck you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we can all agree. <laughs> fuck you. Um, okay. Well, I would say does does Psycho change tone though? Because it changes sure. the entire cast. Right. Yeah. Which is. That's big. It's a shift. It might yeah. not be a gear shift. Maybe it's just like a tire change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a paint job. It's a paint job. It's a paint, it's a paint job movie. Yeah. Paint job. <laughs> who did the paint? Who did the paint job on this movie? <laughs> uh, go watch. I think you should leave if you haven't. It's so funny. Um, yeah. Because okay. So I think like the tone. It like the first. Because was it? That's that's Act One, right? That yeah. is about forty minutes into the movie mm-hmm. is the shower scene, right? So, but it's still like it is creepy, foreboding, tense. Yeah, and then they switches to different characters. Who then it is then creepy, foreboding, and tense. It yeah. does. It's not a completely different tone. I don't think. Right. It it doesn't change genres like From Dust Till Dawn or even Full Metal Jacket. Is yeah. I mean, it's all a war movie, but a bit, especially by the end of the movie where it's like the that really core. I mean, you could argue stuff. that technically the first act is not a war. They're not at in. Yeah. they're not in combat for sure. Right. It's a movie about. Soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Psy- Psycho is interesting because the shift is entirely in. It, it does a p- crazy plot thing. Yes. But it is all still, which is totally unexpected, but it is still, you know, a movie about a psycho. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have 2001 on here. I don't think that's a good example. The, <laughs> the, the Birds is actually, I think, a really cool one. It's not like it's a sudden gear shift, but the first half of that movie is not about birds. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen The Birds in a long time. Like, I have it, seen it. But. It's a two-hour movie, and the first half is just about this woman who meets this nice guy and goes follows him to his small town, and then they what is like his his mother doesn't like her. Yeah, and it's just sort of like a drama about that. Yeah, and then the birds attack. <laughs> as as happens, if yeah. the name of that movie was not called The Birds, people would talk about that as the biggest gear shift movie of all time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they really they really spoil spoiler alert. <laughs> For the title of the birds, the birds. <laughs> that movie's so good. Something wild is the ex-boyfriend showing up. That's what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you've seen something wild, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that is a very that is a huge. Is that Ray Liotta. Yeah. yeah. First first role. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. His because that one that movie is like a white. It's like woman. a man in pixie dream role kind of. Yeah. Like rom com. Yeah. He's like <laughs> a suit, and then he meets this crazy girl, and they go on a road fun, lighthearted, romantic road trip together. And yeah. then it becomes like a fucking thriller movie when this ex-boyfriend who is like abusive and violent. Yeah, he's up. like a psychopath and he shows up and they just have to deal with that. Right. It, it just becomes a thriller. Yeah. Uh, and although that really works for me, I think mm-hmm. that's all like interesting in what it does about theme. Yeah. Well, to be clear, gear shifts are good. 
I like your shit movies. Yeah. It's just a it's a it's a squishy squishy genre. It's interesting, and it and it's sort of like um, because it, it's also like what's the difference between sorry, what were you saying? Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say like it it you know there's the um during Game of Thrones the term like subverting expectations became a little memeified just because mm. it felt like at first it was like the show was very good at subverting expectations, but then people sometimes felt that you know they were just subverting for the sake of subverting, right? Not for the sake of actually telling the story. Yes, and you often can get that in a Gearshift movie if you're just like ha ha fuck you pull the rug, you know. Yes. Um, but when it is really, I think when it really fits with the movie, like Full Metal Jacket, I mean, I, I am kind of coming around to your opinion that it is a gear shift. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking yourself into it. I'm talking myself into it. Uh, I think that really makes the movie work well. Yes. Like I was listening to the Blank Check episode and they said, it's so shocking that in the second half, no one talks about the first half. Yeah. Well, it's also cause like they're doing like training for war, but yeah. it is impossible to train them for what they will actually see. Exactly. And it kind of shows that. Thematic. like it, they like shows that structurally yeah so that gear shift really works mm-hmm. like the birds it doesn't need to do that it's no. just sort of an interesting movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's artistically fascinating that that's the structure but like the you're not pulling the rug the movie's called the birds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are birds you do see and there are people who are wrench friends like ah, the birds are actually weird yeah <laughs> you know before they attack yeah um, and also, like, there's an interesting thing where the thing that also makes it squishy is that what's the difference between a gear shift and just like an act, an act break, right? Because yeah. all movies do have like, you, you hopefully surprising things that happen at the act breaks, right? I mean, yeah, any horror movie that's star- like <laughs> any Cabin in the Woods movie is a gear shift movie because oh, yeah. this movie's about a bunch of teens having fun in the cabin in the woods, and oh no, zombies! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What yeah, a like gear evil, shift. yeah, Evil Dead. Like if you went into Evil Dead thinking it was just like a like a summer, it was like Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, then it's a gear shift movie, right? Exactly. But that, I guess that, that that's an act one. That's like an act act one break. Act yeah. one break. So like I think is it so is what makes a gear shift like if it's the midpoint? I think so because I think by that point your condition if you're an hour into the movie you're conditioned to think okay this is the movie and yeah. whereas if you're ten minutes in you're conditioned to think. In about five minutes, the movie's going to start. Yeah, <laughs> we're just laying some groundwork. Yeah, so if we're wor- making a work or running running definition of what a gear shift movie, it is a tonal shift after the act one break. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think. Yeah, well after the act one break. Yeah, because okay, at, yeah, because like Full Metal Jacket, the act one break would be is is the is because act one, the act one break isn't Gomer killing himself, is it? No, because that's like an hour in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Full Metal Jacket is sort of three distinct... It's like chapters. Yeah, plot-wise especially. And the only people... I think Joker's the only one who... Uh, Matthew Medine's character is the, one of the only ones who lasts all the way through. I think there's some people show up in Act 3 who are in Act 1. Yeah. Um, but that's also like... I mean, that's... When you're Stanley Kubrick, and that was the second-to-last movie he made, Yeah, you can get away with doing that. Yeah. You know, if you're writing a script and trying to get noticed, don't do that. Yeah. No, you can't. Like, you're just not allowed to if you're an un- unpublished writer. Exactly, yeah. People um, will be like, this person doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Actually, that kind of... Now that I'm thinking about war movies with gear shifts, will we call Deer Hunter a gear shift movie? The I first hour and a half... Okay, so it's like a three-hour movie, and the first right. hour and a half is just a Greek Orthodox wedding? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Russian Orthodox? Right, they're like at their like, mining town or whatever. Yeah, right? they're yeah. in the mining town in like Pennsylvania or whatever, and like an hour of it is a wedding. It's wild. <laughs> and then they go to Vietnam. Yeah. But <laughs> a gear shift movie is a movie in which halfway through they go to Vietnam. Right. Um, but you know 
that one's not trying to like fool you about what kind of movie it is. Yeah. Like when that happens, you're not like, oh wow, they're in Vietnam. Yeah. yeah oh wow, this tone's different. It's just a weird. That movie is so strangely structured. I just don't even know what to call it. But yeah. it's a good movie. Yeah. But then he, sometimes it has to do with the marketing, like um, like the World's End, the um, Edgar Wright movie. Oh yeah, you could call that a gear shift. Right. Sure. Like I, I think I've told the story how. But that's I an saw Act it. One break, isn't it? Uh, it's like pretty late. Into oh yeah. It because like they the act the Act One they go into Act One and it's like they go on the the pub crawl and there's always a little oh, bit yeah. creepy. Okay. Yeah. So I saw it with a friend of mine who um, me and him we we'd seen the trailers. You know, there's like aliens or whatever. And then it was uh, his girlfriend and her friend. Mm-hmm. And they did. They were just like, the boys want to see this movie. I don't know. So then when the turn came that there's like alien stuff, they were like lost their mind. Yeah. It's like 45 minutes in. And the movie is just sort of about a bunch of guys who are trying to recapture the magic of being young. <laughs> so if you <laughs> yeah. don't know it's coming, that's a huge shift. But the move, the, the, uh, the marketing was not hiding it. Right. So it's weirdly like with a lot of things, marketing and what the movie is projecting into the culture does matter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The extra textual stuff. But I think that there is some sort of empirical judgment you can make just based on tone. Because like, yes. even if you know it's coming, it's it's an action. It's like a sci-fi action movie yeah. after the midpoint. Right. Yeah. yeah. And even then, like the movie's like the tone says that it's still the same story. It's not. It's like a it's a heightening, but it's still like the story about these guys or whatever. Yeah. You know. Whereas you know something like Full Metal Jacket radically changes all of the just doing from dusk till dawn. Biggest example. Yeah. Um, audition is one that people often talk about. Um, Interesting. I haven't I haven't seen audition. I know what it's about. Yeah. So I don't know exactly when the big reveal. I guess we could just reveal audition. Right. Yeah. If you if audition is a horror movie, everyone yeah. knows the horror movie. Yeah. So the plot of audition, uh, a widower and a guy's wife dies, and he hasn't dated for a while, and his friend is like they're like casting for a commercial. Mm-hmm. So they say, let's just put out a casting call for what your ideal woman would be, and they just have a bunch of auditions, and he meets this woman who like really fits the bill. Yeah. And so they start dating. And so for a long time, it's like a pretty just straightforward melodrama about this guy getting over his grief and dating this woman yeah. in, a, in this very gross way. Um, and then, hey, spoiler alert, or not really, surprise, surprise, she's fucking crazy and kills people. Yeah. And like, it's a horror movie. But that it is for like 45 minutes, just completely straightforward, Yeah, that melodrama. So, and then it's just like a real hard turn into horror. But going into the movie, you know it's a horror movie. Yeah. So here's like an interesting one. It's also with kind of like a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't call it one, but I think there maybe is an argument for Alien being a gear shift movie, because True. the Act One break is he gets the alien on the they like find or Act One they find the ship they're yeah. investigating it Act One break is he gets the alien in the face right yeah and then for the first half of Act Two they're kind of trying to figure out what's going on with like the alien parasite and then the the midpoint is the chest burster. Yeah. And then from then on, it's like full on horror as opposed to kind of like creepy, like tonal sci-fi. Yeah. But I don't know if it's that big. It, it, I don't think it's a gear shift still. Yeah. I think what we need to find a way to distinguish between a, a true gear shift and just a, like a patient movie that takes a hard turn. Yeah. You know, movies that are being more adventurous and interesting with their structure. Yeah. And because also like the movie is always creepy i mean it's always like got the creepy foreboding tone right it's like, not it, like it tells you it's coming yeah it's not like the music is like upbeat synths you know until yeah it's not like it's uh, uh like he like she was just a tr- space trucker <laughs> you know? i would love that movie where they're just <laughs> it's just like a rom-com in space and then a chest burster comes out <laughs> halfway through i'd be 100 percent down for that that'd yeah. be fun that must exist oh yeah movies that are just totally upbeat and then suddenly are like Fucking crazy, or no? But specifically, specifically with, that specifically with the chest burster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, off topic. Like we've talked about, how it'd be fun if there was like a rom, like a Star Wars rom com, like like do, oh yeah, or a Star, you know, like using 
those pre-existing brands to do other genres would be kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, I would love that. Yeah, that's like a meta gear shift. Five <laughs> movies of horror, gear shift. Oh, well, I mean, if we're doing that gear shift, then Evil Dead. That's yes. like that's like yeah. a that's like a franchise gear shift. Yes. That is and uh, Fast and the Furious is the other franchise gear shift. That one's huge. That is the biggest <laughs> franchise gear shift because it happens like four movies. It happens five movies in. Yeah. I find that it's so hard to explain to people how that, how that like I when I t- you know, I think people are generally read into the franchise by now. Yeah. But by around six or seven, I someone explained it to me and I was like, Yeah, they're like action movies, right? It's like, no, you don't understand. They started out as like basically point break except street racing and they steal v- like DVD players. Yes. And it, now they're like sort of an international band of superheroes, yeah, who just like <laughs> fight only, crime for but, free, but only in cars. Yeah, all car only. They'll solve any crime if they can get a car there. But they have some pretty inventive ways of getting cars there. And they never. It was not like it was like a slow build. It really was just like Fast Five. They just we do this now. Yeah, this is just what we do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this confidence of Justin Lin just be like, yeah, dude, fuck it. Now we do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted the whole time. Uh, that is very funny. Yeah, French franchise gear ships. Yeah, yes. I don't. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. No, I mean, yeah, Evil, I mean, Dead. Evil Dead is the big one. Well, the thing is, yeah, Evil Dead is only only the first one is really a like full on horror movie, right? Yeah. Because even Evil Dead Two is very kind goofy. of kind of slapsticky. Yeah. And then, but Army of Darkness is just full on a comedy. And then you have franchises that grow and change. Like Saw, I think, goes from like a very a, like a genuinely very good horror thriller. To being much like over more over the top and much more about just the crazy kills over time. That happens a lot of horror yeah. franchises because yeah. I mean, like I think like the scream, like, like the scream movies or yeah. like <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street is probably in yes. the first movie. He's not like funny. No, he's just a scary man with claw hands. Yeah, but, yeah. Over time, he just becomes That's like the like, Flanders Ned Flanders thing. Yeah, he becomes Groucho Marx. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's gear shifts. Yeah. All right, let's do some recommendations. Get the hell out of here. All right, mine's silly. It's just this one specific Bobcat Goldthwait bit where he <laughs> brings out a shower onto stage and does the bit from the shower because he says he's more comfortable doing doing stand. He's like less nervous in the shower, so he brings one out on stage. And I'm just gonna send you. We'll we'll post the link. link. We'll post okay. the link to it because <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait is funny as shit, and it's one of my favorite comedy bits. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank, thank you for saying you're going to send the link because I'm about to be like, how the fuck am I going <laughs> to link that in the show notes? Um, I'll just do the weekend. The the movie I mentioned earlier. Uh, it'll, it helps if you're 63, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> if you're 63, you're welcome. I enjoyed it even though it wasn't. And uh, Jeff Goldblum is genuinely one of it's an incredible performance. Uh, he's like one of the main characters, former students who was like doing better than the the main character is, mm-hmm. but is still looking to the main character for answers. The main characters at this point in his life where he just has no answers for anybody. <laughs> and it's like a very like search. Anyway, it's great. Good performance. Oh, sounds great. Good movie. Uh, Cooper, which people do at home? Rate, review, subscribe, uh, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, HBLB podcast for both. Uh, if you have any requests for no brow topics, you can DM us on Instagram or you can, we have a phone number. You can call in and leave a voicemail. It is in the contacts link on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. And if you, unless you say that you don't want to be featured on the show, we will play the, the, uh, voicemail on the show and we'll respond to you. Yep. And, uh, bye forever. Bye forever. <laughs>